Hey, I'm JR. And I'm Mike from the 18 over par with Mike and JR podcast. Welcome to season three of the pod where we'll continue exploring the sights, stories, and sounds of golf on the prairies where you'll find some of the most golf courses per capita of anywhere in the world and beer. Lots of beer. Lots of beer, JR. It's the 18 Over Par Podcast with Mike and JR. You suck, you duckass. Welcome to 18 Over Par with Mike and JR, proudly presented by Bryce Matlashewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204-515-3446. I'm JR, he's Mike, and today we're joined by Deb Pritchard. She's the Executive Director of the PGA of Manitoba, a PGA of Canada golf professional, and a lover of all things dogs. All right. Well, this is uh, going to be a special one because both Mike and I have colds. Uh, I don't know if we got it from one another, but uh, we do have the cold. So I'm on some meds right now. Got the cold and sinus going. I have the herbal tea. I forget what it's called. I think it's Echisania or something. I don't know. My, my wife recommended it. Echinacea. Echinacea. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. My, my wife recommended it. <laughs> and I got the nasal strip on. Yeah. Hey, no free There's ads. Not many, things, uh, not many things you don't pronounce correctly, but uh, I'll have to try and get you to say that one again. <laughs> but uh, Herbal teas get me every time. I also, I had my herbal tea uh, last night as I tuned in for this episode uh, 24 hours early, but uh, <laughs> no uh, herbal tea tonight, just, uh, just on the bubblies. Oh, well, that's good. And I got the puffs plus lotion. Kleenex, which uh, is awesome. I guess it's not Kleenex. It's just puffs plus lotion. Right. Right. It's a facial, a different facial tissue, not Kleenex. (laughs) So shout out to them. No free ads, but we're looking forward to this. And a lot of folks have been asking on whether or not Blake Wheeler is going to come on the pod now because Mike, you actually got to go down and what you got the Jersey off his back. Yeah. Jersey off your back contest. Uh, from uh, True North through uh, we are we are proud season ticket holders as obviously True North is begging for some more people to be uh, season ticket holders. But I have been a proud season ticket holder for almost 10 years now. So uh, through the Jets app, I entered with my uh, rewards pucks that I collected and got the opportunity uh, to do jersey offer backs. And that's where uh, after the, the last game of the season, you get to go on the ice and you get an envelope and you stand out there and then they tell you to uh, open the envelope and it has a player's name and number. And uh, then you get their Jersey. They sign it for you. And, and in my case, I gave uh, Blake Wheeler an 18 over par hat and uh, snapped a selfie with him and uh, told him I'd golf with him at Southwood. So that's uh it was quite the experience uh i'm quite the fanboy, but uh hopefully hopefully uh blake's now listening to the show and we'll have to try and get him on at a later date well i agree 100 percent. 
And uh, the picture was great. Fantastic selfie. And I know you've been blushing now a little bit. Fanboying a little yes. bit. Yeah, so so good for you. Maybe, or maybe it's the bubbly. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully we uh, he doesn't have any availability until July or August. <laughs> hopefully, if you know what I mean. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But uh, you know what? Even though we, we may be you know, a little under the weather, when the executive director of the PGA of Manitoba makes a tea time with you, you show up. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. Deb, super excited to have you on. We we're chatting just before we actually hopped on Zoom here about how we chatted with James Chapman, who was earlier this season on the podcast. And then after Sandy Kersiba heard the episode, because he heard uh, Mike and I chatting with James about yourself, he sent me your number just unannounced for no reason. My, oh, oh, I went, oh, this is Deb. That's the Deb that James is talking about. And here we are, popular person. So we appreciate you, you jumping on the show. Uh, we're going to run through the whole gamut of, uh, of fun things. And uh, first and foremost, before we get into that, I want to give a huge shout out to Brace Malashewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204-515-3446. The man can help you out with your finances, I'll tell you that much. Uh, great dude as well. Decent golfer, mm-hmm. great family man. But uh, when it comes to his investment advice, just his holistic approach on approach on finances in general. Good guy to chat with. And fax machines. Great guy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Deb, you're the real reason why everyone's here. And uh, both Mike and I and our listeners want to know how you ended up getting into this game of golf. I actually went, when you sent me the questions, uh, just to kind of have a quick review, I actually went back and asked my parents because <laughs> I've been in the game for so long, I really wasn't sure how old I was when I got started. Um, but, uh, I guess I was around six or seven years old when they got me into the game and, uh, been, I played it for a number of years. Now, lately I've been more working at it than playing at it, but, uh, haven't done anything but in my work career. So, uh, been in it a long time. Did they get you your first set of clubs? Like, did they, did they have an interest in golf? They did actually. Uh, I grew up on a farm in Roland and uh, we were only a couple of miles from the golf course and like any small town community thing, it takes a lot of uh, volunteers and a lot of support from the community to keep it active and alive. So my parents, I guess, had uh, started golfing ahead of me and uh, got both my brother and I into the game. Uh, My dad, According to him, a couple of my first clubs were just kind of the typical cut down in the garage with the hacksaw, throw some tape on the handle, and that was what I started with. Uh, <laughs> and then we moved on to uh, some actual clubs. Can't remember whether they were Northwesterns or Waterfords and what order they came in, but nothing really name brand uh, until I got going. But uh, lots of great memories and uh, loved growing up in a small town and having that access to the community course. Yeah, whereabouts is Roland? It is kind of, it's south of Carmen, um, near Jordan Corner. Everybody seems to know where Jordan Corner is. Kind of halfway between uh, Carmen and the Morden Winkler area. East of Miami, I saw. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So, yeah, about 300 people in town. Um, my mom and dad uh, both volunteered and worked at a lot of stuff there. My mom worked at the golf course for a while, volunteered on the board and did the books. My dad looked after the arena for a few years, so we were rink rats as well. And uh, they kind of volunteered helping with any sport that we ever wanted to play. So, 
That sounds like a dream life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was pretty great. I mean, <laughs> wouldn't trade it for anything. I'm uh, proud to say I'm a farm girl, and uh, I, as much as I have lived in the city, and will don't, and I'm, I like the amenities of the city life. Um, I'm just fine being on a tractor and out in the dirt too. So, big fan of country music. Depends on uh, the year. <laughs> <laughs> went through a country phase not so much anymore but <laughs> i love that how sometimes you never know what you're going to get because uh both my in-laws and my family also from the country also from the farm and my family not into country the other ones yeah they're kind of into it you just never know what you're going to get so i figured i had to ask yeah let's yeah, not well, stereotype I, uh... <laughs> grew up with the uh, Statler brothers and that kind of stuff playing on the radio. So yeah, I, I know my fair bit of country, but uh, went through a phase of it kind of in the nineties. Not so much since then though. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever play golf competitively as a junior? I kind of, I started out just the, my earliest memories of it were at the Roland golf course with the, uh, local seniors club, uh, men's and the ladies senior groups got the kids out playing in the summer. And it was uh, one day a week, we'd go down to the club and you'd play or you'd, they'd teach us for about an hour. Uh, it was all volunteer. And then we'd go out and play nine holes with them. And that was how I got started. And then uh, they started hosting some local junior opens and that kind of thing. So I'd play in those and the prizes they were able to get were, uh, were pretty amazing for what, or at least what I thought were pretty amazing as a kid. And so, uh, I thought, Oh, if I can play this game and win a few prizes and this isn't a bad gig. So I did play a lot of competitive, I wouldn't say competitive, but I played a lot of junior events. Um, kind of at my peak, I was playing about 25 tournaments a year. Um, lots of just local small town golf courses doing the nine and 18 hole events, uh, both junior opens and ladies opens. And then I did participate in the Manitoba, um, junior championships for a few years, uh, made the second string team was never, uh, kind of at the top of the crowd, but uh, good enough to make the man Sask teams and play there. So went to uh, Saskatchewan, played in Kenosi a couple of times against the Saskatchewan girls team. And uh, was lucky enough to have zone four high school golf championships and a provincial championship as a high school athlete as well. So, Wow. There you go. And you said you didn't have an interesting career. And we haven't even got into the meat of it yet. And like, here it is. Interview's done. We'll wrap it up. That was great. Well, I know Mike is a big geography guy. And I don't know if you have the Google Maps open or Deb, maybe you can let us know if the Roland golf course is still there. It is. It is. I just played, I haven't got back to play it nearly as much as I would like. Uh, The current layout is not the same as what it was when I grew up playing as a kid. Um, They've added a new second and third hole and combined the old two and three into one hole and the old eight and nine into one hole. But uh, it's a beautiful little nine hole course tucked in along the Tobacco Creek, actually. Oh, well, Mike, it's you're into hiking. Do you ever uh, hike around in that area? I don't think so. No, uh, we got to get down that way. And uh, well, even we've it's come up before Carmen Golf Course. I've never played Carmen, which is right there, and I know that is a you know a treat that we have in our province that, uh, that I, I got to get out to. So uh, yeah, absolutely, it's it's worth the trip. Beautiful course. They do a great job maintaining it. 
And you got your start in the industry at Carmen, I read. I did, yeah. Started there as a backshop kid uh, when I was about 16, I guess. Spent seven years at Carmen and uh, kind of worked my way up from the backshop into the pro shop. And uh, did that all through high school and through my, my college years as well. So, Tobacco Creek has the best uh, used balls uh, in the province. <laughs> They're known for that. Yeah, most of them are in the uh, farmer's field adjacent to the uh, yard now that I grew up in because I, I fired a lot of them out into the field. That was where I practiced. So, <laughs> Well, I guess where you playing a, a lot then you mentioned you've been playing in the, the, the events, but with that much space out there, would you just either go to the golf course or just hit balls into your giant backyard? Yeah, we had uh, we had the farm, so there was kind of half the yard I would uh, chip along the side of the lane on, and then the other half was, uh, as I got older, it was always trying to see if you could fly the golf balls over the machine shed into the field. So as long as we uh, didn't rattle it off any equipment or windows, we were good. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the golf course was uh, just over two miles away, I guess. So as a kid, uh, a lot of times I'd actually get up at 5:30 in the morning and hop on my bike and ride to the course and play. Uh, my parents got me a locker there to keep my clubs in and drive down on my bike or ride down on my bike and go uh, get either nine or 18 holes in before I went back and cut grass or did farm chores. So was there any point, uh, maybe it was in Carmen where you said, Hey, this might actually be a pretty fun career. It was actually not really in Carmen that I was, well, I guess I was in Carmen. I was seven years there and uh, I graduated out of high school, still working at the golf course, took my first year at University of Manitoba. Didn't really apply myself that first year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a write-off, to be honest, and I uh, decided I'd take a year off. Didn't, had gone in thinking I was going to go into psychology Realized quickly that was not going to be a career path uh, of choice for me. And so took a year off and ended up working at the golf dome through that winter and uh, kind of realized I seemed to gravitate towards golf regularly. And uh, so I figured I the next year after I'd taken that year off, I uh, popped into the program at Grant McEwen College in Edmonton and uh, took the both the golf management and the professional golf management diplomas at the same time. So yeah. was, uh, went into it thinking management only, not the professional side of things. I didn't think I had the game to, to turn pro, but uh, eventually ended up down that path just as a, an add-on to stay in the business. That's pretty cool. That you, I, I assumed that that would have been one, uh, you know, one course, but I didn't, I didn't realize that was two different courses and you took it at the same time. About 90% of it overlaps. It's all the same stuff. Uh, the management specific stream has a little bit more along like uh, facility maintenance and mechanical systems and that kind of stuff. So there's only because I could apply my electives from U of M, I only had about three or four classes to make up to get both diplomas. So hmm. it was an easy add on to, to do both and uh, figured while I was there, I might as well do it. And Three years later, graduated out the other side, but uh, it was interesting to note we we started with a class of 47 in year one, and there was seven of us graduated out of year three. That was all that made it through the program and realized uh, that we still wanted to be working in golf. A lot came in thinking they could 
play golf all the time, but realize there's a lot more work <laughs> involved in being in the business than just play. So was it at, at school then at um, McEwen there that did you have to take a player ability test or when did you find out, oh, you know what, I can actually get my card? Well, I graduated from uh, Grant McEwen and just after I graduated, I got on at Pine Ridge Golf Club, uh, working out under Gord Workham there. And I was there two years, actually. Um, didn't Hadn't really planned on turning pro, but uh, he encouraged me to pursue that path. And uh, I can say I'm... Uh, <laughs> I took a few cracks at the PAT. It, I wasn't a one-shot wonder. Had a couple that uh, I'm not sure anybody could have passed, a couple of experiences, but uh, I think it took me four times to get through to be to get my card. But uh, one of those times was at Bloomberg in sideways gale force wind and rain, and they finally called it after nine holes when you, umbrellas were turning inside out. You couldn't really see what you were doing. And then uh, I took it a second time that year and actually played out here in Portage, and they'd aerated the greens the day before. So oh. uh, it was what? just... Uh, We'll blame it on the greens, but <laughs> I didn't have the game at that point either. But uh, those were my first two cracks at it. So uh, I finally got in. Um, back in my day, it was the uh, two rounds, 36 holes on one day um, for all my PITs. It was it was a long haul and a grind when you're standing on the uh, the tee box, knowing that the next year or and or your career are kind of relying on what you shoot that day. Yeah, well, we've heard a, a few of the stories, but uh, none of the gale force wind kind. And is <laughs> is the the PGA of Manitoba then? Are they responsible for hosting the the PAT? I guess. Yes, they are. Yeah, um, they they set up the date and the time, and uh, you register and apply for. It's changed over the years what you have to do in the application process, and then uh, you come out to the the course on the designated day and and try and fire the numbers. So. And hope they didn't aerate the greens the day before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to say the one at Bloomberg, I felt pretty bad. I had uh, one of the Pine Ridge lady members offered a caddy for me for my PAT. So she, she was, we were in a cart, but the windshield and the bag cover didn't even stand up. Uh, They finally, (laughs) they finally hauled us off after I think we got through nine holes, but I dumped about two inches of water out of my golf bag and (laughs) There was nothing dry, so. <laughs> is there a is there a cost to the the PAT test? There is. Um, it's again has changed over the years. Currently, it's uh, there's a fee for the PGA of Canada when you register, and then a uh, hundred and seventy five dollar fee for the zone here in Manitoba to do it. But uh, we've got five PATs, I guess, scheduled or five opportunities for people to play to try and pass their PAT this year here in Manitoba. So nice. Can you try it all five times in one year? They can. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Being that I took more than one crack, I figured I'd give people a few opportunities (laughs) in case I wasn't the only one. (laughs) Are you allowed to release where it is this year or uh, is that a, a top secret information? No, they're actually, uh, a lot of them are tied to our uh, PGA events. So we've got uh, five of them. They're posted on the PGA of Manitoba website, uh, along with all the application process and what's involved there. Uh, first one will be at St. Boniface, tied in with our spring, cl- uh, spring championship. 
And then second one at Rossmere with our Spring Classic, one at Niaqua. Thunder Bay is also part of the Manitoba zone, so we're doing one in Thunder Bay. And then one fall one tied in with our uh, fall final tournament out in Minnedosa. Mm, very nice. Yeah. Do you also, aside so, from the, the ability test, uh, the PAT, is there some sort of schooling that is required? There is. Um, so it's, again, <laughs> I've been in the industry long enough. The program and the requirements have changed a number of times, but uh, there's a lot of teaching and coaching certification, uh, rules certification requirements. Business management is kind of the primary, but you can come into the golf business from pretty well any stream of education you so choose. And then there's just uh, a core requirement of classes that you have to take and uh, various opportunities to do that through the PGA of Canada with both in-person and online training. And then a part of it obviously is uh, working at a golf course facility or a golf facility uh, under a qualified professional. And uh, they have to do a number of a set number of hours each year. They have six years to complete the process. So we take a quick break to hear from Bryce Matlashewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Well, Bryce, it's uh, it's great to uh, to have you on and to have a quick chat. My first question is, uh, what can an investment advisor like yourself from Endeavor Wealth uh, do for me, and how can that differ from my my current experience of trading with Wealthsimple, uh, just based on my the recent Twitter feeds. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for having me on, you guys. Yeah, d- discount brokers like Wealthsimple uh, certainly have their place, uh, but at the end of the day, you get what you you pay for. Uh, those platforms are very limited in what they offer, and they're more ideal for just basic trading. So if that's what you're looking to do, and it, it's really not a bad platform for that. But what we do at Endeavor, uh, we take a more holistic approach. Uh, we examine an individual's needs, uh, both short-term and long-term, and we go way beyond just investments. We look for tax opportunities, ensuring the decisions you are making today uh, minimize your overall tax that you might be paying. Uh, We also help our clients address estate and insurance needs. So really anything we can do to uh, assist in your overall wealth management approach. And going back to some of those discount brokers and and things that you see on the internet, uh, a lot of times people don't realize the amount of intrinsic risk that they're taking on with with making some of those trades and so finding balance is is another key thing that we do for our clients at at endeavor that was bryce malashewski who is an investment advisor with endeavor wealth management part of ia private wealth and a member of the canadian investor protection fund you can contact bryce at 204-515-3446 are we suffering for pros do we need more pros are we doing uh, okay for pros right now in uh, the pga of manitoba we would love to see a lot more professionals get into the business. It truly is a great career. And I can't say enough about all the opportunities it's brought me, um, all the friendships it's brought me uh, over the years. We have about 126 professionals in the Manitoba zone. So that covers all of Manitoba and Northwestern Ontario out to Thunder Bay. But uh, we would love to see um, a lot more come in right now. Our, the average age of our professional is quite a bit older than what we would like to see it. We would love to see some some younger blood coming in. 
some of us are getting a little longer in the tooth and have been around the block for a while. So um, there's certainly all kinds of opportunities, whether people want to come in and be in the teaching and coaching stream or whether they want to be in club management, uh, rural course, private course opportunities. Um, it's really a, a career path that you can almost create your own path and be essentially own your own business within the community of golf. Lots of doors that uh, that can open, and all you got to do is choose to knock, and we'd certainly love to to answer the call. So nice. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that, and Mike, I don't I forget who it was. Maybe it was Andrew Steep. If you you might remember or not, Mike, but uh, mentioned that still Manitoba, like the zone, is one of the few places where, or maybe it was Corey Cartouche who mentioned still one of the few areas where professionals actually own their shop. And I believe you have or had your own shop as well that uh, you ran? I did, yeah. And it is one of the few areas we're seeing a little bit less of it, but um, there's, I own my pro shop uh, in Minnedosa for the 11 years that I was there. And then uh, when I came to Portage, I the club here owned the shop and part of my contract negotiations was to take over the shop here as well. So I've, I owned a pro shop for the last 16 years and this is my first uh, season going in that I will not own a retail component uh, and run my own business that way, but just have taken on a different role and wearing a different hat now. So you can say babysitting. It's okay. <laughs> we're, we're not there yet. <laughs> I'm still too new at this. <laughs> Even bringing up uh, Minnedosa. So it was Pine Ridge and then Minnedosa. So you jumped to Minnedosa. That's quite a, quite a time to be at, uh, at Minnedosa. Yeah, I was uh, out there for 11 years. You know, it's it's interesting being a female in the industry. Uh, you never really know whether there is, a, you know, a glass ceiling to break or whether, you know, there may be hidden challenges that you're having to overcome. Um, I actually kind of graduated top of my program in Grant McEwen when I left there. I thought I had a fairly good resume. Um coming in, but I actually applied for 27 head professional positions across Canada before I got my foot in the door at Minnedosa. And um, they welcomed me with open arms. That's become my home away from home. I love the town. I love the community. And I really enjoyed my time there. And uh, it was a great experience and a lot of great memories from that town and that community. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So... Yeah. Yeah. Another course that we have yet to get out to. And I actually drove all the way there and gave Pat Law a ball marker and, and didn't play the course. <laughs> but uh, Dedication. We'll, we'll, we'll play it this year. That, yes, uh, it is uh, definitely worth the trip. Actually, Patrick uh, took the job when I left there and uh, I battled through three floods in my 11 years there and he's had the same challenge, but when the course is not fighting its way back from the river there, it is one of the most beautiful places to play in the province for sure. Yeah. I was going to ask about if you had uh, encountered any floods. Yeah. They've been unfortunate there. Yes. Yeah. We, I think it was 2011, 2014, 2017. So every three years. So I said after 2017, I wasn't doing another one. I figured 2020, they might be due again. And 
that's oh, when it hits. So, <laughs> so yeah, it seems to be on a three-year cycle. Hopefully that's uh, the end of that for Patrick going forward. And uh, <laughs> I wish him nothing but uh, dry fairways going forward. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, that's we're still hoping to get out and play. I know uh, we've been mm. waiting. It's been a long spring, to to say the least. So hopefully, fingers crossed, everything stays dry, and we'll get out there and uh, and have a good time uh, this season. We'll play all the way into Absolutely. into December this year. There you go. It's the eighteen over par guarantee. PGA of Manitoba executive director Deb Pritchard's in. She says December we'll be playing golf. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So after the, I'm not sure my fellow pros would want that, but uh, <laughs> given that I'm in this chair, I'm game for that now. So. <laughs> yeah, you guys aren't going anywhere. You gotta stick this out. <laughs> so was it just the flooding then that made you want to go to Portage, or just that opportunity came up and maybe it was a little bit closer to home? Uh, you know what? It came up and I actually hummed and hawed till the very last day to apply for Portage. Um, certainly wasn't that I wanted to leave Minnedosa. It was a matter of, I'll say, a career decision. Um, was I going to stay in Minnedosa and continue to do that job throughout my career? Or did I want to try and move up to a bigger and busier club and potentially progress up through the ranks, I guess, to, to a, a higher end club, but the door opened here and I threw my name in the hat and was lucky enough to, uh, to have the offer, um, a little bit closer to home, obviously, but, uh, it was, it just felt like the right move at the right time. And, uh, I, I don't regret the choice I made, but I certainly do miss the, the community Minnedosa for sure. I saw, I believe it was the Portage Observer, if I'm not mistaken, that I think your first year there, they shot a movie there or something. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct. Yeah, I uh, I took the job here the end of November, um, bought a house the first week of December, moved the first week of January. February 1st, we gutted the pro shop and renoed in there through the month of February and the first week of March. We moved back into the pro shop and they came and shot a movie on site. Uh, it was starring Chrissy Metz. I'm forgetting the name of the movie right now, but uh, the they legend were of Bagger Vance. <laughs> <laughs> no, afraid not. She, was, she wasn't in that <laughs> one. The sequel. <laughs> It was actually based off a true story of a, a kid, a teenager that had fallen through the ice and. Uh, was under submerged for a significant amount of time and ended up surviving. So um, they filmed on site for about three weeks here and then came back uh, a few weeks later when the snow had melted a little bit and uh, did some follow-up shoots, but it was okay. an interesting process. So there wasn't, it wasn't like any golf, was it golf related shoots? It was about the, the river more so. Yeah, they filmed, uh, they used the clubhouse as a restaurant and shot some scenes in there. And then they uh, set up out on the ice on the Crescent Lake right beside the golf course. I guess it was, it happened where there was a restaurant that was lakeside or riverside. And uh, so they used the location here to shoot. Well, nice. they, did, they didn't tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, you want to do a cameo? No, I stayed as far <laughs> away from uh, the cameras as I could. I'm usually not a... Uh, 
I'm not a person that likes to be the, in the limelight. I much prefer to be in the background. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I hit around every corner. It was, uh, it was some long days. We were usually uh, at the club uh, by five thirty six in the morning and they would still be filming at 10 or 11 at night. So it was uh, some long days on site, but uh, basically just mm-hmm. there to answer any questions or, or put out any fires in relation to the facility or the property. So probably some great uh, income for the club on the off in the off season. Yeah, it was, there was uh, definitely a, uh, a financial component to it. Uh, maybe not as much as some people might think, but <laughs> uh, when you can make a few thousand dollars in March when there's still snow on the ground as a golf club, it's, it's mm-hmm. certainly worth the opportunity. So get some egg salad and, uh, sandwiches. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> the catering as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Food services. Forgive me. I called the, uh, the water body around the course of river and I didn't realize it was a lake. Usually I'm up to, uh, up to uh bar on my uh, watershed, but uh, I guess it is a lake. It's, it's a body of water. It's actually, uh, it used to be, I think kind of an oxbow off the river, but it's not connected to any significant bodies of water. Um, they actually pump out of the Assiniboine into the Crescent to fill it up. Um, mm. So there's no, it's fairly, stagnant it just kind of sits there and it's uh controlled by mother nature most of the time so it, it just exists it is uh, yes so while portage golf club is known for being on the island it's not a true island but right. uh, there's one yeah. way on and off as far as the public goes so <laughs> i had played portage a few times in my younger years um you know 10 15 years ago but uh, i i gotta get back out there because it was I know it's uh, it's a great track. JR, have you been recently or ever? No, I haven't uh, been ever, although some of my golf balls might have floated up there if you're pumping from the uh, Assiniboine River. <laughs> Just thinking of Bloomberg there, probably put a few in the in the old Assiniboine River. <laughs> but yeah, and I then, think uh, the Western road trip is uh, definitely one that we, we have to do. Yeah. There is yeah, some I, great courses out this direction. Uh, I mean, depending how many days you can line up, uh, there's Nipua, Minidosa, Poplar Ridge, Clear Lake. If you want to go a little further north, Gilbert Plains. Um, and then you hit the Brandon area, you've got Shiloh, Wheat City, Oak Island, Glen Lee. So there's a ton of great golf courses out in the Westman area. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I read that uh, while you were at Portage Golf Club, you guys celebrated your 100-year milestone, which is pretty amazing. You start seeing, uh, you know, more and more courses celebrating that 100-year mark, which is is amazing that a, that a club can be around for that long. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We uh, we did the 100-year anniversary last year in 2022, so we had a few special events uh, that happened throughout the season and uh, kind of marked the occasion and and have uh, the next 100 ahead, I guess. So mm-hmm. now I've just handed over the reins. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read about the Vegas scramble. Did you read that one, JR? I didn't know. Uh, it was a tournament format, I think, in, in celebration of the 100 year. Uh, six golfers tee off and they roll the dice to see who drive whose drive they're going to use for that hole, which I mm. thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, everybody tees off and then you roll the dice and you're just really hoping that you don't roll the number for the person that's in the bush 50 yards (laughs) off the tee. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or that's where you're playing from. (laughs) Yeah. Pace of play might be slower on that tournament, uh, (laughs) depending on how you're rolling the dice that day, but. Yeah. Yeah. There was lots of uh, hooping and hollering and you could tell when they, they rolled the right number and, and the luck was on their side. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's fun. That's fine. Uh, you, you mentioned that you're, this is your kind of first year out of the, the retail business, but what was that like? Did you learn any of that in school or was it just through your, your jobs at say Pine Ridge uh, or wherever it kind of took you where you learned that of like, oh, I got to buy this stuff from here. This is when I need to stock my pro shop. Like how did that all come about? How do you stock a pro shop? That's a great question. Um, as far as the retail side of it, uh, I kind of took to it in Carmen where I just was in charge of doing the pro shop displays and kind of learned that flying by the seat of my pants a little bit, uh, but was lucky enough to work for Mike Gottfried out there. And uh, we had several assistant pros back in that day and age um, that were in the shop over the years. Glenn Circus, Rob Guthrie, uh, Glenn Collins was there through the years. So I learned a lot from them uh, in the process. And then there is a retail management component to the schooling that uh, I went through as well. So there was some of the formal process there. And then uh, the seven years at Pine Ridge, I was uh, working with Gord Warkham, who was very detailed, very organized, uh, very on top of the retail portion of things. So I learned a tremendous amount working for him. Uh, busy shop, uh, lots of sales through the door, and uh, every single week, uh, every Wednesday, we had corporate tournaments there. And as soon as we shotgunned them at noon, I had six hours to turn the shop over, and we completely redesigned the shop every single week. So rearranged the displays, changed up the merchandise and the mannequins, and uh, we had back in that day before the multiple component uh changes that you can see now with the fit carts with the uh, changeable heads and shafts we used to have to order demos to match all of those different SKUs. so we had several thousand demos that were all coded and skewed and, <laughs> wow and tracking them was uh we had i think 16 bags of demos down the hallway from all the major suppliers with drivers iron sets wedges the whole kit and caboodle so was quite the process to to coordinate and organize those and keep track of who had what. Yeah, I remember working at these days. Yeah, the, <laughs> uh, working at uh, De La Sapenko's Pro Shop at a Cinnamon Golf Club. Uh, we had a ping fitting cart, and I believe there was another fitting cart as well. But if people wanted to try stuff, we just slapped some tape on it. Well, whoever was in the shop took them out there; they can bang it around. And so I remember we got this huge. Oh, it was big for the time. It may have been 600 cc's, maybe not. But one of the guys, he just wanted to take it out for a rip. And of course, he tops one, but it's a big dent right <laughs> in it. So it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. There goes that yeah, one. That's know. a permanent demo now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Can't sell that one as new anymore. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so yeah, interesting that you acquired all those demo clubs as opposed to just having them there in the shop. And if you want to try them, well, there it is. Try it out. Yeah, no, we had a significant demo program and and Gord was very good at moving product through the doors. Uh, We sold a lot of a lot of gear back in the day there. And how has that kind of ebbed and flowed or has it ebbed and flowed when, you know, we even chatted about a little bit before on how this is kind of the only territory where pros actually 
own the shop? Are they elsewhere? Are they owned by the club themselves? Yeah, in a lot of locations, the club has taken over uh, the the pro shop. Um, you know, even years ago, the pros used to own the cart fleet and, you know, the rental sets and all of that kind of stuff. And now clubs see the value in it and they, there's, it's big dollars. So they've taken on the shops, but uh, here in Manitoba, we're lucky enough to still have that opportunity to have that as well. But uh, as a young pro, I know moving from Pine Ridge out to Minnedosa, you know, when you haven't had a full-time year-round income, you're you're still an assistant making a six-month wage and then trying to figure out how to pay the bills for the other six months. Uh, I remember I set my budget for Minnedosa at $40,000 and I all I'd owned at that point was a car. So <laughs> I'm moving out there, buying my first house and starting my own business. And, uh, you know, you're kind of hoping and praying that at the end of the year, you've, you've got the numbers in the right way. So... I was lucky enough, uh, my mom had worked in the bank uh, throughout my time as a kid or off and on as when I was a kid. So I learned to put my money away and uh, live off very little. And uh, that has voted me well for a lot of years. So I tend to be fairly financially conservative. And uh, I I went in with a game plan. Gord uh, Workham helped me work through that plan, set a budget. I knew exactly how many golf shirts and how many golf gloves I was ordering. And I didn't deviate from that. There you go. Was there a, was there a buying show back then? Yeah, there was absolutely. Uh, It's been a a staple in our industry for years. Uh, It's kind of ebbed and flowed as to what that's looked like, how many suppliers uh, are attending. Uh, It will be a focus of mine to, to increase our attendance and our, our opportunities at that show going forward. We want to see, more vendors here. Some of the bigger locations like Alberta and BC see a lot more vendors on site because they've got a lot more professionals. So they've got seven or 800 in their zone versus 100. Um, but all our major suppliers are, are in attendance and uh, truly do support the zone through that show as well. Yeah. Don't they know how I, uh, addicted to golf we are out here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you talk about yeah, being financially exactly. conservative. I thought I was until I got into golf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I could say that too, because I remember working back at Carmen when the uh, I was actually just listening to your episode with Robbie Mack, and he was talking about when the Great Big Berthas came out back in the 90s. And I remember working there, I think I was making five bucks an hour, and it took me all summer to save up enough $5 <laughs> an hour job money to uh, buy my first Great Big Bertha for five or $600 back then. And it's funny that everybody thinks golf is expensive, but, uh, the, the newest and the latest and greatest in technology was the same price back in the nineties as it is now. So, so go out and buy, 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 <laughs> go buy a, a great big birthday. <laughs> Today's episode yeah, is brought to you by myself with that one. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I already booked off, uh, October 30th of uh, 2023, because that's when the PG of Manitoba buying show is not that I'll be invited, but uh, I'll sneak in. <laughs> Maybe you guys will have to take the day off. We'll set up a little 18 over par uh, podcast booth there and you can do a few yeah. interviews on site. Oh yeah. I think so. Hey, that'll be a drop we'll for the hats. suppliers. Listen, absolutely. there's a couple idiots. They want to set up in the corner and they want to talk about golf for a little bit. So you should come. Come to the show. Yeah. 
And we got yeah. a hospitality rider. <laughs> we, we want uh we want Echinacea with lotion. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, how do you Herbal. say that? Echinacea? Echinacea? I don't know. We, we just want uh herbal tea and uh and uh egg salad sandwiches. <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry. I went off on a tangent there. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Well, I, well, sorry. Connected to that, I imagine, and we, I love bringing up the Orlando, you know, PGA buying show. I, have you uh, ventured out down there? I was actually lucky enough to make that trip this January. Mm. I had not been uh, previously, but in my new role as executive director, uh, that was one of the first first things I was lucky enough to have to go for for work. Uh, so. <laughs> Every province across Canada or every zone uh, across Canada, the PGA of Canada has uh, a zone kind of in each area. So there's BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, ourselves, a couple different zones in Ontario, and then PGA Atlantic covers the Atlantic provinces. So each of us has an executive director and uh, they had decided that they were going to meet down in Orlando during the show. So we had... uh, two days of meetings and one day at show down there this uh, January. So great experience. Um, It's definitely amazing to, to be on site there. Uh, I obviously heard a lot about it over the years, but uh, you, you don't really prepare for the massive expanse of golf equipment that you see when you walk in the doors there. Yeah. I heard it's pretty epic. It is. Yeah. It's, it's quite the production, uh, somewhere between eight and 10,000 registered attendants and uh, thousands of square feet of golf equipment and just the technology, just even in the displays and the booths themselves is unreal. And then uh, a variety of education components along with that as well. Oh, I was going to say, and the uh, 360 degree uh, circular driving range would blew me away. Um, There's like a 300 50 yard diameter driving range. So you could be driving at the pin guys are driving at the Titleist guys and the tailor made guys are hitting <laughs> at, uh, at the Callaway guys. But yeah. 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 I, I didn't get to experience that one this year. We, uh, that was our first day of meetings. We actually did uh, two nine or 10 hour days worth of meetings with the executive directors. So uh, I didn't see the, the demo range, but uh, certainly going to be worth a trip back. I can tell you that. Absolutely. And yeah. we'll be there for that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're just inviting ourselves everywhere. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, you, you did bring up the, the education portion of it. And for a jump into that, how do you become a member of the PGA of Manitoba? Do you have to be a professional? No, you uh, don't have to be a professional. You, you, well, you have to turn pro to become a PGA member officially, right. but right. Uh, you register with the PGA of Canada as an applicant. And then um, there's several components that you have to kind of submit uh, proof of age, proof of employment at a golf course, um, some letters of recommendation from your employer and others, and then you register for your PAT. And then once you take the PAT and pass, then you are officially in as a member of the the PGA as an apprentice professional. And then you've got six years from that point in time to complete your education and hours requirements. And then uh, you become 
one of the other varieties of categories of, uh, of professionals that you can fall into now. We've just, uh, National just released a new category structure. So you kind of become a class A professional once you've passed all those components. And then it's a matter of whether you're working as an assistant or a teaching pro or a general manager, a sales rep. Um, it's categorized according to, to job profession. So. Okay. Are there fees associated uh, with that as well? Like how do you guys make make your money? There are. We pay PGA dues uh, annually and uh, they go to national office and then a portion of that uh, stays with national for their programming and insurance uh, programs that we we have in place. And then a portion of that comes back to the zone to support our own zone um, programming and functions here in the zone. Okay. And coming back to the education component, I guess you can keep on learning as, as long as you want. Are there any requirements when you're a class A professional to continue that education? Uh, there used to be, there aren't any more. Uh, there's always talk about whether that may or may not come back in. Um, but really if you want to ultimately progress, um, I've always been of the mindset that you never stop learning. Uh, I don't think I've gone a season where I haven't done some type of education component, whether it was extra classes, going to our education seminar that we host in the zone, um, attending conferences through the National Golf Course Owners Association or through the PGA of Canada. I've been lucky enough to uh, to go to a few conferences across Canada, done Victoria, Calgary, Quebec City, um, Niagara, they uh, they all put on the national bodies all put on uh, conferences annually, so they're really great locations to be able to to kind of condense a whole lot of education into a two or three day span. Jeez, you know your stuff. I guess that's why you're the executive director. <laughs> I want to know how that kind of came about because you're you're fresh into the gig, and so as I'm assuming there's an application process that has to go with it. Yeah, there was the, uh, I had sat on the PGA of Manitoba board for a couple of years, uh, more or less just kind of in the background. I never really took any particular portfolio by the horns and ran with it. Um, but I resigned from the board last summer and this op- when this opportunity came up, I was contemplating a change, mostly personal reasons. I find uh, I'm a person that when I was at the shop, I, if the golf course was open, I was there. So generally I would work about 198 days out of a 200 day stretch. Um, and I didn't really leave the course. So, uh, it became very apparent to me as I'm getting older that, uh, if I was going to, to fit some type of life into my work life, then I needed to, uh, maybe remove myself from the golf course scene. And uh, when this opportunity came up, I threw my name in the hat. Um, there was an interview process and I was lucky enough to, to come out with a position. I don't know for sure, but I believe I was the only PGA member that applied for the position. Uh, most of the other, I shouldn't say most, about half the other zones have zone staff that are not PGA members. Um, they come from a variety of business backgrounds um, but there are a few zones that do have PGA members as their EDs as well. So I come into it with an, the understanding and the experience to know what our members are going through on a day-to-day basis. So I'm hoping that adds a little bit to my ability to be able to do the job in this new role. And I guess you get so. to take your dogs to work, or maybe you took your dogs to the golf course too. I'm not sure. 
I I actually did. I took my dogs to the golf course for the last eight or nine years. Uh, yeah, they had a had a bed under the desk. They were part of the staff team there, and uh, now they still come to work because they're just down the hall from the kitchen. So <laughs> <laughs> we all get to work from home. The Manitoba PGA office is in my spare bedroom, converted into an office. So <laughs> it looks great. <laughs> great office. Mm-hmm. Thanks. <laughs> the sticks in the corner behind me collecting dust, but <laughs> and is that is that a fax machine back there too, or is that a printer slash fax machine? <laughs> yeah. No, we're not quite that dated. <laughs> oh, we at eighteen over par, uh, big supporters of fax technology, and we uh, we anticipate it uh, surging back soon. <laughs> I got a I'll lot of you guys lead the charge on that one. I won't yeah. be leading that one. <laughs> Ill-advised by Bryce, but uh, I've gone against his suggestions and invested heavily in fax technology. <laughs> Long live the phone sorry. line. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Bryce. But are there other but, certificates uh, up there? What else is up there? Is that uh, those pictures up there? I'm trying to see what no, else is up there. No, that's more just decoration. I, oh, okay. uh, I don't have the certificates on the wall. Oh. <laughs> You got to put some yeah. of those up there. Not like uh, VP uh, Darren Hayden had his, his whole wall uh, plastered with accolades, as he should. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't have a whole lot of those framed awards or anything or any glass trophies to put up there. And all the ones from the junior days have long since found a, a trash bin somewhere along the way. So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking of awards, the PGA of Manitoba gives out uh, annual awards to your members. And we've talked a lot about them and highlighted a lot of them on this show. In fact, I, Jordan, I was, or JR, I was trying to count how many PGAs we have interviewed. And, and I kind of lost track, but it's over 10, I think, at least. Yeah, yeah I would say so. I've uh, been listening to all the episodes kind of in my new role as a uh, member research. Now I get to know the members a little bit more through your podcast. So. <laughs> I haven't had the chance to meet them all in person yet, but uh, most of the ones you've interviewed I do, but uh, it's a great way to know a little bit more about them too. Certainly. And uh, that kind of relates to the, uh, the social media member highlights that I've seen on instagram that started up that's pretty cool because uh uh yeah great to read a little bit about them get to know them um how did that start that actually uh was in the works before i took over as ed it was uh kind of an idea of mr patrick law and uh the former ed of the pga and uh another young lady by the name of Megan Robinson that was uh, helping out with that at that time. And uh, it just never got off the ground. So Patrick's kind of taken that uh, bull by the horns while I've focused on the website build out side of things. We've kind of stripped everything back on the website and started from scratch. And uh, he's got the social media started Uh, as he gets into his busy season. Then I will, take the reins on that, follow his lead, but uh, he's got a great social media presence and and does a great job with the Menidosa stuff as well. So I was more than happy to hand the uh, the launch of that over to him. So <laughs> we'll throw that in our link tree. We'll put a link to the PGA of Manitoba Instagram there in our, in our link tree. So mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. get it. We'll be, be right great. there. And you can get all the dirt you want on your 
PGA of Manitoba, folks. <laughs> I, yeah. I poked around the website pretty good. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Nice. Uh, they had some, oh, obviously I'm not a member, so I can log in, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's just the boring stuff, the bylaws and all that stuff that isn't all that fun that's back there. So <laughs> yeah, it seemed like there was some good like links for uh, more teaching, further, uh, you know, tips on retail and, um, you know, golf coaching and, and those types of things, resources yeah. for professionals. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, that's the goal is to make that our hub of all things PGA. If there's ever a question that anybody has relating to our members or as a member themselves, that's ultimately where I want them to be able to go and find the information easily. So there's still a lot more work to come on that. Um, different sections like all of our past tournament winners and award winners are going to come back online shortly. We're just kind of building that out under the new the new layout, but uh, working on kind of the immediate and pressing concerns of the 2023 season before we pull that stuff back up as well. So being that it's a a one woman show right now in the office uh, and web designer, I am not, but uh, we're working (laughs) on it. It's coming along slowly. Mm -hmm. Well, like from experience, we know uh, what women can do and it's twice as much as men. That's why Mike and I are are (laughs) co-hosts because we couldn't do it alone. (laughs) (laughs) there you go plug plug i forgot i was going to ask you a question now and i forget what it was i was too busy pumping your tires (laughs) i appreciate it (laughs) well i also on the on the website they had uh uh job opportunities pga or any job opportunities in the golf industry and then even across canada which i thought was kind of cool uh so i so I've applied to every head pro across Canada. <laughs> Took a, yeah, Jat GPT resume, just fired it out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but that that's awesome. You know, uh, you know, connecting the golf community and and sharing those opportunities. It's important. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, part of our what we've talked about over the last few months since I've come on board too is really going to be trying to find avenues to connect with the kids that are working at courses now in the back shop, you know, those 15, 16, 17 year olds and working a little harder at getting them to realize that there is career opportunities in golf. So if they have any interest at all, um, you know, we'd love to get them involved. Uh, even, you know, the 18 to 25 and there's lots of people that actually kind of take this up as a second career as well. Um, so Yes, it's a great semi-retirement job for some too. If they only want to, if they want to do a six-month season, and they can maybe take a little bit more time off in the winter if uh, they're in a teaching component or an assistant pro component. So, it's it's really an all ages and all abilities type profession. If you've got a game that's that's good enough to get your card, uh, you don't have to qualify for any tours or anything like that. If you can can shoot the numbers. Um, then the rest of it uh, can come along, but it's, it's an amazing career. And uh, I'm hoping that in my time here, I can help increase the number of people coming into the industry and ultimately staying in the industry long-term. Is that kind of your mission then now for 2023 or what do you really have to do to, to get the season started, I guess, first of all, and then, you know, continue the growth of the association? Yeah, right now, um, 
we've kind of stripped everything down, really started re-examining all aspects of our operation uh, for the zone. And so the initial focus uh, was our education seminar, which happened uh, in early March, mid-March, I guess, and our AGM and getting our our books in order. And then uh, the tournament schedule, we've got a number of events on the calendar for this season. We've got three two-day championship tournaments, a couple single-day events, and three team events as well. So locating courses, nailing down timelines on that and and prepping that. And then uh, on a fairly regular basis, there's meetings with the national office as well and our executive directors across Canada. Um, So there's uh, the EDI task force stuff, you know, the equity and diversity stuff is coming in. So there's a lot of focus on that right now and making golf more accessible um, and the career more accessible. Moving forward, that's certainly going to be, I think right now the focus is really creating that and solidifying that network amongst our professionals. Through COVID, everything went, I mean, we're already spread out across the province as it is, and then everything went remote. So, you know, no education seminar, no buying show in person for a year. Um, everybody feels a little bit disconnected. So we really want to create that network and and link our, our newer professionals in because they haven't had that opportunity yet. Uh, if they've just joined the association in the last couple of years. And then look for avenues to, you know, kind of cover the ages. We want to link our life professionals back in, even if they've retired, we want to keep them involved. They've got a tremendous amount of experience and knowledge. So we've got uh, an alumni committee started and an assistance committee started. And uh, we're looking at some new initiatives to, to really network everybody together and bring some new career focused individuals into the game. I like it. Sign me up. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I uh, don't have the game for it, but maybe throw in, uh, throw in a few lessons from yourself there and maybe some of the other PGA Manitoba we, association we members. And we'll go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you, you quickly, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to sign up too. And uh, I'll, do my, I'll do my best. members, we, we'll get you signed up for the PAT. Which one are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Minidosa. All right, I'll let Patrick know. <laughs> yeah, let him know I'm coming. I'll I'll bring a few ball markers his way, and uh, he can he can give me the pin placements for the for the day. I could caddy for uh, you out there. Have a few balls in my pocket. <laughs> Sprinkle them out there. Hey, found it. Abs- there you go. Absolutely. You touched. Um, Quickly wanted to touch on just uh, you the the tournaments because uh, some people may not know that their PGA pros uh, at the clubs are are playing in competitive tournaments. Uh, so how many tournaments are there? I guess a year, and what do you get if you win the tournament? There, yeah, it's it's not something that's overly advertised. Um, you know, we certainly something we want to make people aware of. We do have a competitive component to our association as well. Some some are more competitive than others. Uh, a lot of the head pros don't necessarily have the time away from the shop to keep the game as sharp as they'd like to. Uh, some of the newer members coming in are who we are seeing kind of at the tops of the leaderboards because they're they're coming in fresh, maybe uh, just getting started in the industry and and don't have quite as much managerial 
requirements for their job yet, but we've got, uh, that's I just guess. an excuse. The old guys are saying, <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll support that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they actually, uh, there's, uh, as I mentioned, there's two single day events. We have a spring classic and a fall final, uh, three, two day events, uh, spring championship, the PGA championship and the, uh, fall championship. And then three team events. We've got the pro lady where the professional from a club takes three lady members and they play a scramble format for the day just to get golf with the women on the course and the pro junior same idea golf professional and three juniors playing a scramble format and the pro pro which is kind of the the most relaxed on the schedule it's uh any two pros from the zone playing a two-man scramble that one's going to be up at uh, hecla this year so oh, wow. the plans to to go up the nice. day before and have a practice round and uh probably some appetizers and beverages and stay over and then they'll play the competitive portion on the monday so and then in, in addition to that, there's a number of pro-land events that uh, the pros can play in throughout the years. There's a few of them. Uh, Niagara's got the Piston Ring Pro-Am, and Larder's is the first week of June. St. Charles has one. Carmen has one. Glendale's got one. Uh, there's a variety of those pro-am options. And in all those events, they're playing for cash. So. Nice. I've heard a lot about these pro-ams, but I've never – actually, I think um... – Mr. Uh, Mr. President there and, and invited us out to the Carmen uh, oh, right, program. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It's um, the clubs raise a tremendous amount of money for various charities through the events. Uh, they've got a ton of sponsorship and uh, a lot of corporate uh, clients that come out to them. And, and it's usually one pro and three or four amateurs playing and uh, pros play for a check and usually some pretty significant prizing for the amateurs, but it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, over the years, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars raised for each of the charities that these, the clubs are hosting for. So nice. That's nice. Yeah. Game. I'm sure the pro uh, pro asks talented amateurs <laughs> to play with them, which is why I haven't heard a lot about them. <laughs> we're, we're talented, just not on the golf course. <laughs> we have to, we have special talents <laughs> that don't include golf yet yet no we're getting there we're we, getting can, there. we can make a mean herbal tea <laughs> can't pronounce it but we can sure as hell make one <laughs> and then uh well, then i saw a quickly on that again uh, um i saw you guys down in veradero golf club in phoenix so there's obviously a national level to these tournaments as well so uh, i guess the best pgas of the province go and get to compete nationally or whoever's available that week yeah it's actually open to kind of whoever's available uh, and can get into the field or signs up for the field the actually go down to arizona each year or they've actually done it in florida in the past as well because most pros can't take that much time away from the shop in season. Mm -hmm. So they do it in December when the Canadian courses are closed. So except here uh, in Manitoba, as you heard here, Manitoba will be golfing until December. <laughs> there you go. They can practice right up till they leave. Yeah, exactly. so, <laughs> so yeah, as far as our, our PGA championship is where uh, the pros can qualify for those events. So it'll be our top throw top four head professionals uh, in the standings from our PGA championship that would be considered for 
our Manitoba team to compete in that event. Um, a lot of it will relate to whether they can can get away for the time and and mm-hmm. find a way in the budget. Uh, at this point, we don't have a sponsor. We're open to those sponsors if they're out there mm-hmm. though to uh, to help the guys get down for the team event down there. But uh, but yeah, great opportunity for them to uh, kind of tie in a family vacay and uh, a little golf in the winter in the off season when they don't have to worry about uh, the shops or the clubs and what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been a, a few people we have talked to and we've brought up the the national um pga of canada events and uh, i think when was it in bermuda i thought maybe that somewhere exotic like that it sounded like they had a nice time yeah i think yeah. it was that was a yeah, milsey was... milsey it was a yeah. One. <laughs> yeah he would have he goes to a, a large number of those and uh, really is one of those guys that has kind of stayed on top of his game and likes to play and compete. And, and he's uh, been in the field quite often. So. Yeah. Good to hear it. Cause that's one thing that I found out having worked in the industry is the, yeah, like you mentioned, the pros don't actually get to play a lot of golf. So it's good mm-hmm. to see him when they no. can get out there and golf. Uh, you did mention, you know, the equity portion of the game. And is that something that you've seen, change or they're still i mean obviously probably still striving for some more diversity within the professionals of canada here yeah absolutely it's um it's not something i ever really thought a lot about uh it was just i always was able i was lucky enough to kind of have this the support from home and around me that it was not something i ever really thought of if I wanted to do it, I, I went out and I did it. And uh, I always had the support behind me to do that. So it, I never really thought anything was unusual about a female getting into the golf business. Um, but there's really not a lot of, out, of us out here. Um, females actually make up about, I think it's less than 6% of the PGA professionals in Canada. So um, here in the Manitoba zone, uh, there's uh, Rana up in Gimli at Lakes at the Lake, uh, Jen in Kenora, myself, Bree Tokaruski at Elmhurst, uh, actively working. Tracy Sonnefeld's in the, the industry as well. Uh, we'd love to see Jacqueline Steep get her card. She's already working at it full time. So I'm going <laughs> to kind of keep twisting that arm. Hopefully she jumps on board there. But uh, there, there's only, uh, you know, I think seven of us in the zone that uh, pay dues and not every one of those is even full time in the industry. So you can keep your professional status, but not work in the industry um, once you have it. So there are a couple of people that are that are working in other professions, but to maintain their card and do some teaching through the season. So it's yeah, it's not something like I say that I've ever thought of uh, or really put a lot of thought into, but uh We'd certainly love to see a lot more women come into the business. Um, And from that perspective, a lot more uh, diverse backgrounds as well. Um, There's so many different uh, cultures out there. And, uh, you know, the more we can network within every community, the better it is. So if there's anybody of any background, we encourage them. If they, they even thought of the profession, uh, we'd love to have a chat with them and see if we can't get them in the job and in the business. And that's coming from a gentleman, uh, speaking uh, myself, when I was out on the East Coast, guess who the chair of the Employment Equity Committee was? You're looking at him, the young white male, of course. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Anyways, it's on my resume, so I'll keep it on there. There you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> what uh, can you explain the the title and position of uh, director at large? <laughs> director at large that is uh that's coming from our board of directors section i guess it's uh those guys have volunteered to step up on the board um but maybe haven't taken on a specific portfolio they kind of help out in a variety of areas so we've got the uh you know the education chair the awards chair the buying show chair um and a variety of different portfolios and stuff tournament chair but the director at large is those guys help out uh wherever they are needed in any capacity. That, uh, so. that sounds like a pretty good gig. Yeah. yeah Mr. Kursiba <laughs> has over there. Yeah, I was reading. He's uh, the director at large. So uh, uh, we, love Sa- we, we love uh, Sandy. Yeah. He's actually going to be kind of spearheading our alumni activities. So we're actually in the process of uh, setting up some plans to get our retired and life professionals back playing during our events and networking with our current actively working professionals. Um, so getting them back in into a non-competitive component on the same day as our events so that uh, they're back connected and we can, you know, pick their brains for their knowledge and experience while they're there too. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's great to hear yeah. Sandy actually doing some work aside from telling lies on the golf course. <laughs> if he still listens uh, to the show, he'll like that. He'll appreciate I hope that. so. He'll still we got to get him, get him back on. Yes. Now he's at Glendale. He's at Glendale he with is, uh, yes. James Chapman and uh, Derek Goodwin. So what a team, what a lineup. We got some great, uh, great, quite great professionals. Stable of professionals over at Glendale. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, as you mentioned, uh, all across this province, it's stacked. We have uh, a great membership a uh, great association, I guess I should say, for that. And uh, go out and see your local pro. Get some lessons like Mike Absolutely. and I. Absolutely. And buy more stuff from them. Yeah. Well, that's I'm one thing, at- uh, especially like a lot of the rural courses, like uh, Nipawa with Landon there and Patrick out in Minnedosa, Dave Sinak out in Brandon. Um, those are just the ones I'm the most familiar with coming from that area. But they're local guys. You're supporting a local business. They're turning around and pumping those dollars right back into local functions and local charities and uh, supporting the community in so many ways. So the dollars you spend in your own community turn around and come back and your kid might be employed at the golf course and, uh, you know, they're spending money to support your your kid's soccer or baseball team or volunteering for the the local rec board kind of thing. So it's a great, great opportunity, a great career path. And uh, I'm glad those opportunities still exist in our zone. Well, I think that sounds like a great time then to get into the back nine lightning round. If uh, you're ready, Deb, are you ready, Mike? You got your questions, I'm, an I'm updated ready. list yeah, of I, questions. I have them all this time. I think we cut, uh, uh, was it Rob, Robbie Mack? We didn't ask him what his low round was. Yeah. But, uh, we'll just I'm, say it was 61 sure. or 50. I was going to say yeah, 58 or something. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's low. So there you go. We got that one in there. All right. Well, let's get into it. It is the back nine lightning round. And it is for Bryce Matlashewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of I private wealth and a member of the Canadian investor protection fund. You can contact Bryce 204 515 Three four four six. We also got all of this information in our bio. Click on it. Goes to our link tree, mm-hmm. and you see his big, big, lovely face right there. So you can click on that, and all of his information yeah. is there. 
and you can he's on CGOB every other day on the, mm-hmm. the market update. So I was listening to him today. There's some promising things coming. Uh, it looks like the the market's starting to turn around. So get your money and give it a price. He'll make you uh, retire maybe a few years earlier. Yeah, and then you can take six months and be a be part of the PGA Manitoba. <laughs> Done. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> be a direct be a director at large. Yeah, or a large director. <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We're- Danny's going to kill us. He's going to strangle us. Uh, Deb, you got a, you got a nickname? I don't actually, if, if I have a nickname, I don't know it. And if that's the case, it's probably best that I don't know it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, you know, Deb's a pretty good, like, that's just quick one syllable name. uh, So that's a, that's probably a nickname enough. I'll kick it off here. Have you ever got a hole in one? That depends whether you ask me or if you ask my dad. Um, Hmm. I have not got an actual hole in one in golf yet. Uh, I need to play more to get that opportunity, I guess. But um, I did significantly contribute to one, according to my dad. I uh, mentioned earlier that I used to always chip a lot of golf balls out in the yard and that I was supposed to count the ones I chipped. I missed a couple one day and he was out mowing the grass and uh, he got a hole in one. The hole was in one pane of the dining room window after the ball went through the lawnmower. <laughs> so that is what he refers to as my hole in one. <laughs> <laughs> That's more impressive. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was a solid 60 yard, perfect trajectory to hit wow. the... Yeah, hit the first story dining room window and make a nice big pattern in that one. So that's my only <laughs> hole in one. <laughs> and uh, luckily, there was no one on the other side of the that window. No, it, luckily it was a double pane window. So <laughs> oh, I see. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, the golf ball would have been in the kitchen. But yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the spaghetti sauce is a little crunchy today. <laughs> All right. Uh, what uh, what would be your preferred golf ball brand or model? Currently, I've been playing the Pro V1. I've kind of gone back and forth between that and the Callaway Chrome Soft. But right now, it's Pro V's in the bag. Depending on which uh, sales rep you see that week. <laughs> well, I'm the ED now. I'm I'm loyal to all of them. So I have right. to. Uh, <laughs> you got to give them all a fair to. chance. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, I played Cobra clubs when I turned pro. And then when I went to Minnedosa, it's a big Callaway town. So I was a Callaway staffer for a while. Uh, when I came to Portage, I back into the Cobras in the bag. So with no ball in, in that lineup, uh, I've been hitting the pro V's lately, but, uh, the odd time it's Callaway as well. Nice. Yeah. Cobra. You don't hear a lot of people playing the Cobras. Nope, you don't, but, uh, that's good. It's good to be different. I'm going to get some Cobras. Cobra has got a great quality club and that price point's just a little bit lower than all the other big name ones out there. You know, the, their driver was running kind of a hundred bucks less expensive than most of the other ones out there. So, um, having been at some rural courses, I, I always wanted a price point, a more palatable price point in the shop. Um, some people kind of choke at the the pricing, but uh, you try mm-hmm. and cover 
all areas that you can. So you, you offer the high end stuff and you offer the middle of the line stuff and, you know, you offer the entry point too. So always carried one to two brands in the shop, but uh, always could all order anything and everything for anybody that wanted it. So what, uh, what would be your favorite course to play in Manitoba? I assume you, you've played a large breadth of them and uh, don't want to play any favorites to any of your PGAs, um, but uh, I'm sure they're not listening. But uh, what would be your favorite course to play in Manitoba? Uh, it's been a number of years since I've played a lot of them. Most of them I played back in my younger years and junior days. But uh, I would have to say my heart is uh, partial to Minidosa. Um, just my time spent there, the the differences between the nines, um, the work that Dan Bailey and his grounds crew do there to keep that course in in great shape, uh, even with all the challenges that they've come across. Um, it's just a beautiful course and a great setting, and uh, it's it definitely holds a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Top of top of uh, me and Jr's uh, freezer truck tour. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> third third year have, in a row. <laughs> we had to sell the freezer truck, but uh, we can get a regular truck. Dosa Dosa National. That's just a great right, name. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, do you got a, a bucket list course in Manitoba that you never played, but you'd love to get out to? You? Um, I've heard it from a lot of people on the pod before, but uh, Granite Hills would probably be my number one. Um, there's a couple reasons for that. Obviously I've heard, you know, the, the beauty of the course and just the, the different scenery that compared to a lot of Manitoba layouts. But back when I was going to Grant McEwen, we, one of the classes we took was golf course design and uh, they actually gave us topography maps for a section of land that we were to design a course on budget was not part of the equation at that point, but we had to factor in, where we'd put tee boxes and how far out you needed landing zones, where you'd position mm. bunkers, wow. you know, traffic flow and all of the routing of the course. So uh, the topography maps they gave us were actually for the land that Granite Hills is built on. No way. And, oh, cool. uh, believe it or not, up in the closet over my shoulder, I still have the, that topography map and that layout that I spent hours and hours drawing out back in the nineties. And wow. uh, so I'd, I'd love to get to Granite Hills and just see what the actual course layout is there compared to what I had in my head back when I was doing it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. What about a uh, most memorable course you've ever played? I haven't played a ton, believe it or not, out of the province, a little bit in Arizona, a couple of, couple rounds down in Mexico on vacation. Usually when I got out of the province, I wanted a vacation from golf, not a Mm -hmm. golf vacation. Um, so, um, on the couple of times I have gone on a golf specific vacation, my favorite track was probably dinosaur mountain in Arizona. So nice. I think that's maybe the third or fourth time that's come up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, played a handful of courses down in that area, but that's kind of the one that stuck in my head the most. So. Nice. We'll have to check it out. Yeah, put it on the list. I think it's already on the list. I think it's on the list. <laughs> Six times from yeah, episode yeah. One, season yeah. one, episode one. Yeah. Sandy Kersiba, uh, it's yeah. on the list. Um, the other thing I heard a lot about down there was Wekopa, but I never, never got the chance to play it. Went and had lunch there, but haven't, haven't played it. So 
wouldn't mind. I heard they have a a mean club sandwich. (laughs) They might. It's been too long since I was there. Couldn't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) You uh, you got a a bucket list course anywhere in the world. And yet, we're not going to take Augusta as a as an answer today, (laughs) even though it might be up there, but. Believe it or not, I don't. Um, and I was I was actually thinking about this when I was listening to some of the other episodes and I thought, you know what, I don't really have that that bucket list course that I want to get to. But what I would love to do is be able to travel more of rural Manitoba, some of the other rural locations throughout the other provinces and find some of those hidden gems that you don't even maybe know exist because so many small communities have great courses and beautiful layouts. And I just have a soft spot for communities, small communities like that, because so much volunteer effort goes into maintaining and building those courses and keeping them going. And they do it on such a restricted budget because memberships really aren't that costly in a lot of those locations. And uh, I just have an appreciation for how much work goes into maintaining they, what they have. It may not be the, you know, the most mint greens or, you know, the perfectly manicured fairways, but, uh, you know, a lot of love and effort went into those courses. So I would love to play just a variety of rural courses. Mm-hmm. Certainly. And that's for all of our listeners, too. There's so many uh, great courses in this province within, you know, an hour or two hours of this, the Winnipeg City or or anywhere, really. You know, people tend to just stay in their little cycle of courses or stay at their membership course, private course. Uh, we all got to do better. Quit our jobs and just go and golf all the courses. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, even just pick three each summer you know like a june july and august do one road trip to some place you haven't played and and really kind of step back and look at it a little differently uh, when you're in a more rural setting because a lot of times you know at a little nine hole course like roland i think even the membership there now is still only like four or five hundred bucks for the whole season unlimited play mm. so the amount of work that they can do given those limited resources is just amazing. So I just appreciate knowing how much work goes into it. I appreciate uh, what they do with limited funds. Well, I think you touched on the evolution of the 18 over par podcast uh, when we pitch those hidden gems to CBC gem or Netflix or Disney plus, and we'll get out there and we'll do the shows out there. Coming to coming to the big screen near you. <laughs> Who's picking it up? Uh, CBC gem. We're going to try them first hidden gems on CBC gem. I think there's a good synergy there. Yeah. Or maybe Disney plus or Netflix or Paramount, which you can't get here. Paramount plus maybe it'll be just in the States for Canadian hidden gems. Yeah. Well, there's lots of international, uh, you know, um, programming that, that we don't know anything about that we watch. Right. So the Americans are watching a show about Prairie golf. I'm sure they'd be excited. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> CBC Gem. I'll have to, I don't even know if I have that channel. Anyways, I will have to get it and then we can uh, sell them the idea. Yeah, it's not a channel, Mike. Um, it's an app. It's their app. Oh, it's their streaming app. app. Yeah. Get with on the, the telephone. On the telephone? <laughs> on the fax machine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, <laughs> sorry to get yeah. you off track here. Yeah, no, I I only have four apps on my phone, and uh, I don't know. I was I was going somewhere with that. Uh, what would be your uh, career low round and where? It is not crazy low. I'm uh, like I say, I'm one of those uh, good enough to get by in the professional world. But my lowest round was a seventy six on one of my Arizona trips. Uh, I don't even remember what golf course it was at. Uh, I just know I was, uh, there was two of us golfing and I was playing the back from the white tees, not playing the forward tees. And we got paired up with two other gentlemen that kind of gave me the, really, you're going to hit from back here look. So you (laughs) gave them the uh, F you and beat them. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, I I did succeed in in shooting lower scores than they did uh, from from the white tees. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Screw those guys. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, wild card question here, and we we touched on some of the uh, PGA of Manitoba awards earlier, and uh, I was curious if the, the listeners should expect uh, a, a PGA of Manitoba Golf Podcast of the Year category coming up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll add that to the idea list for discussion. Absolutely. <laughs> Not to say that we'd win, but there's probably uh well, there's three or four of us out there, so we must have we must be able to win it in the next five years, I think. Yeah, well, and you know, all of our awards provincially, our award winners go up into the national pool to compete nationally. So oh. so yeah, maybe we nominate you locally and, and maybe they'll come up against some of the other podcasts across the country. Yes. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got and, salesperson uh, of the year. Nothing saying we can't have podcast of the year, right? That's right. <laughs> that's right. And um, our flagship question in the back nine lightning round, this one is not on the member highlight questions. What is your favorite condiment? I knew that one was coming. Um, I'm going to go with mayo on, on that Ooh, one. Mayonnaise. It's a toss up between mayo and mustard, but we'll go with mayo. Nice. Do you put mayo and mustard on the same thing? Like I, I've oh, never yeah, done that. Do. Yeah. Do you? Okay. Yeah. You live yeah. in your, your sheltered herbal tea <laughs> bunker there. <laughs> Am I five apps opposed to your four apps? oh yeah yeah like a hot dog with mayonnaise and mustard that's uh, that's great stuff oh yeah any any sandwich just a cold cut sandwich with mayonnaise and mustard i am very surprised how much mayo comes up on this for a condiment but hey cool yeah it is it is popular we should probably get a mayonnaise sponsor we should. Well, I've I, been surprised at how much hot sauce has come up on mm. some of your past episodes, and yet mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a hot and spicy food kind of person, so that was no. definitely not on my list. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so now you know what. Uh, if you get any gifts from the association and it's hot sauce, you know that person doesn't like you. <laughs> I'll make note of that. That's yeah. a good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I was going to say I charted season one of our condiment questions and then season two, I think I started to, and then I, I lost track and I got, it's tough to find in the episode. I got to go back and I got to listen to myself talk. 
Uh, but I'll have to I'll have to chart it all again and see see where we're at with the uh, with the data. Yeah, well, would love to do that. And maybe, hey, this guy could probably help you out because he's good at counting beans and stuff like that. That is uh, Bryce Malashewski. He's an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204-515-3446. That was the Back Nine Lightning Round. That was a fantastic show. Deb, we really appreciate you taking the time, letting us know about something. I think Mike and I, we both had no idea really that there was this yeah. whole, even working in the industry myself, I didn't really know there was an association behind the pros mm-hmm. that you see at your, your local golf shop and golf course. Yeah. I knew, uh, I knew more about the lizard uh, community in middle earth than I did about <laughs> PGA <and> Manitoba. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. whereabouts can we find out more so we've got the website we'll link to that but uh, if people were looking to say sponsor one of the events uh, do they get a hold of you direct or just go to the website and uh, contact you guys from there they can come to me direct uh, all the contact information on the website will take you direct to my personal cell and email uh, contact information and uh, yeah all kinds of opportunities whether you want to get into the business and be in the business or jump on board as a sponsor we'd love to have the support All right. Well, uh, thanks again. And uh, once again, before we leave, we're golf until December. So there you go. Have yourself a great night, Deb. Thank you so much again for coming on. And I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot.